Hey, a question for the children here. So I have a question for the children, and uh, it's going to be kind of a weird uh, question for Christmas, but just think about this. Here's the question. What's the thing that you're most scared of? You th- there's a hand right there. What is it? Shout it out, dude. Speaking in public? Yeah. Yeah. He's locked up. He's totally locked up. <laughs> any, any other kids here? Can you tell me something you're scared? Come on, this is totally backfire. Yeah, go ahead. Another lockup? You're brothers, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> All right, one kid over here. Shout it out, dude. Heights. You're scared of heights. Oh, okay. That's good for a boy to be scared of heights. <laughs> Very positive thing. Give me another one, anyone? Things kids are scared of? Yeah. Shout it. Spiders? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you should be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're not good. Spiders are bad. All right, one more. Yeah, way in the back. Shout it. Heights? You're not scared of plagiarism. So. <laughs> That's great. Anyone scared of monsters? Anyone monsters? Okay. Yeah, one more. Go ahead. You're scared of Santa? I know, you rearrange the letters and it's like, Satan, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Well, I have some, <laughs> wow, where'd that come from? Uh, so I have some, like, some good news and some bad news for you kids. It, the good news is, as you get older, you won't be scared of a lot of those things. That's great. The bad news is, as you get older, you'll be scared of other things. Because as we become adults, you know, the fears of monsters in the closet and all that give way to different monsters in the closet. And so as we become adults, you know, we, we, we still get freaked out by things. We're, we're afraid of our finances. Can I pay the bills? Am I going to get the mortgage? I'm going to pay for college. We, we're scared for people we love. You know, you grow up and then you have kids and then you're concerned about your kids. You're concerned about your, your loved ones or your best friend or your parents. And it's just a lot of anxiety when you grow up as an adult. There's, uh, you know, we're afraid of of politics. You know, we all have political views, and when our political views aren't prevailing, we get afraid of that. And we're afraid of terrorists, and we're afraid of illness, and we're afraid of disease, and we're afraid of death. And, you know, so Merry Christmas. I mean, it's, (laughs) that's, that's a challenge. I was, um, I was at a a school function for one of my kids uh, a couple weeks ago, and I I bumped into a lady from our church who's a nurse, and we were just talking about Christmas and how stressful it is and all that. And she was saying, you know, as a nurse, checking people in and and, uh, not only getting their vitals and stuff, but kind of taking their emotional state, she says, it's just crazy at this time of year how many people start saying, you know, how are you feeling? Terrible. I'm depressed and I'm anxious. And just this time of year does that. And you'd think it would be the other way. You'd think it would be like, oh, it's Christmas. It's awesome. The most wonderful time of the, and all that. But instead, you know, if you're lonely at Christmas and Thanksgiving, you get more lonely sometimes. And if you're, if you're depressed, it can be even more depressing. And if you're grieving because someone's not there this year, it's even worse at this time of year. And you know, if you're afraid and anxious and stressed out, this year can just cause that, this time of year can cause that to spike. And so we gather together, we open up our Bibles, we read the Christmas story to find comfort at this time of year. But as you read the Christmas story with a fresh set of eyes, what you find is 
a bunch of people who are scared. It's interesting. You, you know, you th think about the story that was just read for us. The shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And uh, the angel appears to the shepherds. And, and, okay, so pop quiz, don't look in your Bible. What's the first thing the angel says to the shepherds? You know, right, yeah, it's not Merry Christmas. It's do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Isn't that interesting? So they were afraid. And if you look at the other stories in the Christmas story, you have multiple angels appearing. I'm not going to go back and read all of them. But multiple angels appearing to people, and every time the angels have to be calming everyone down. And so he appear, angels appear to Zechariah, who's John the Baptist's dad, who's Jesus' cousin and all this. And, and, and Zechariah sees the angel and he's terrified. And the first words the angel says is, do not be afraid. And then the angel appears to Mary, you know, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary's afraid. And so the angel has to say, okay, okay, do not be afraid. It's do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. If you pull back the lens and look at the whole Bible, there's a number of stories and instances where either God appears to people in some form or God sends an angel to talk to people. And in almost all the cases, almost all of them, one of the first things either God says to the person or the angel says to the person is, do not be afraid. Which is interesting. Why is it that when God shows up or God sends one of his representatives, he always has to be telling people, do not be afraid. And probably the simplest answer is, God must be kind of scary. <laughs> God must be a little bit unsettling. Or when someone comes from God with kind of God's authority and glory wrapped around them like an angel, it must also be a scary thing. And so, so could it be that God is terrifying? That's probably not the way we think of God. That's not how we think of the Christmas story. You know, we have cultural, cultural pictures of God you know, one of, uh, one of them, the common one, is kind of this old dude. Kind of, he's got the ZZ Top going on and long hair. And he's, you know, sitting in his rocker up in heaven. You know, like, oh, love you all, love you. Here's some candy. You know, just kind of nice. He's there if you're in a crisis or not, whatever. But he's kind of there. And, you know, it's not a, a God that, that would cause you to say, ah, and have him to say, oh, it's okay, don't be afraid. Or think about the angels, you know, think about uh, in drawings of angels today. You know, angels e either, they come in t one of two shapes. They're either skinny, pale, white guys in white robes, or fat, naked babies with wings, right? <laughs> that's angels. And, you know, that's, that's how they're drawn in kind of our culture. And I'm not really scared of either of those. You know, if I saw, like, skinny, pale, white guy in a white robe, I'd be like, okay. And if I saw a flying naked baby, I would, I would think, that's weird, but I wouldn't be like, ah. <laughs> and if the baby said, you know, do not be afraid, I'd be like, I really wasn't. It was <laughs> just weird. Um, but we look at the Bible, and whenever God shows up or angels show up, Old Testament, New Testament, whenever Jesus shows up, especially after his resurrection, do not be afraid, do not be afraid, do not be afraid. Why is, what is that? I mean, thinking of, is it right to call God scary? I mean, what is it? Well, you know, there's another word that the Bible uses to describe God. It's a word that we're going to sing tonight. We've already sang. It's the word holy. God is holy. Or actually, the Bible says God is holy, holy, holy. He's like holy cubed. He's 
holy to the holy power. And, and the holiness of God, you know, that's kind of a word that we don't use a lot in our normal parlance, but, but it refers to the fact that God is so pure and so good and so righteous and so awesome and so other that, that it's like, a, it's like a, a blazing, holy, pure, godly presence. And, and when that godly, holy presence comes into the lives of people like us, it's a problem. Because the Bible also tells us, and we don't need the Bible to tell us this, we know this, that people are sinful, that we're imperfect, that we don't love one another the way we should. We don't love, uh, we, we live in a world where we're full of anxiety because we're sinful, broken people living in a sinful, broken world. You know, uh, God is holy, 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 and we're sinful, sinful, sinful. And when those two come together, it's bad. <laughs> Normally, the fact that I'm sinful, sinful, sinful doesn't bother me because most of the time I hang out with you. So, I feel pretty good about myself. And I was like, yeah, I'm simple, 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 but he's simple, 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 simple. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. But, but when I come into the, the, the presence of God, or if God were to show up here, that, that disparity would become immediate and it would become overwhelming. And people are undone in the presence of God because God is so holy and pure. That, that whole house of cards that I've constructed that says... I'm a good person, I'm decent, I'm tolerant, I'm open-minded, I'm spiritual, I recycle, whatever, that we've built up to say I'm a good person, that house of cards in the presence of God is like, you know, a house of cards in the presence of an F5 tornado. It just, and nothing stands because we're not compared to him. And so it's very common for people to be undone and to have that house of cards fall down. It's like in the uh, Charles Dickens' The Christmas Carol. You guys know The Christmas Carol with Ebenezer Scrooge. And he thinks he's fine. You know, everyone else is the problem. They just don't work hard enough. They just don't have a good ethic. You know, he's the normal guy. He makes total sense in his own mind. And then he goes home and all the ghosts visit him. And, and his house of cards comes down. And he realizes as he sees the effect of his selfishness and his self-righteousness and his smugness, the damaging effect that it's had throughout his whole life. And, and he's undone. He's totally undone. It's, it, it, it comes apart. And that's the kind of experience that seems to happen in the Bible when God shows up. You know, people say, well, why doesn't God show up today? If God's really there, why doesn't he just show up and say, here I am? And it's like, well, be careful what you wish for. It wouldn't necessarily be a good thing. And so here's the amazing thing. In light of that dynamic that we see throughout the Bible, is God shows up, but instead of saying, I'm here and you're done for, He shows up and says, do not be afraid. Why should we not be afraid? Well, let me read you what next thing the angels say. The angel says, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The story of Christmas is about God sending a Savior to save us from our sinfulness so that we could be forgiven and right with God. I mean, in fact, that's, that's, that's the story of the whole Bible. You know, you look at the Bible and you're like, wow, this is a big book. I don't know, how do people read this or make sense of it, understand it? All right, I'm going to summarize the whole Bible for you in a couple sentences. This is the story of the whole Bible, like in a nutshell. Uh, it's holy, holy, holy God, sinful, sinful, sinful people, 
But God shows up and says, I'm going to find a way to clean, forgive, and reconcile these people to Myself. And He sends His Son, Jesus, who dies on the cross for us and rises again. That's the whole story of the Bible. Everything in the Old Testament is like leading up to that. And everything in the New Testament is leading out of that. But that's the whole story. And, and everything else in the Bible is somehow fits into that overall message that we call the Gospel or the Good News. And it's that message of Jesus that gives us hope that people like me who have a spotty record can be expunged. My record can be expunged. That my debt can be canceled. That my, uh, th- th- that my sentence can be commuted. Because Christ died for me. You know, when Jesus was there, flash forward you know, 30 years from first Christmas to the first Holy Week and Easter, and Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane before He went to the cross, and He was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was filled with terror. He was filled with fear because He knew He was about to die for my sins and for all people who would trust in Him. But because of that, we can be free. Because of Jesus, we can be forgiven. We can be reconciled to God. We can have a new start with God. The message of the gospel isn't, all right, we're not perfect, so try harder. I've tried that. doesn't work too well. The message of the gospel is, no, no, God has done it all. God has sent Jesus the Savior. And it's through Christ that we can be reconciled to God, no matter what your background is. I, I quoted this, uh, this, someone tweeted this on Twitter this week, and uh, I quoted it on Sunday, but I'll quote it for you again. But there's a pastor in uh, New York City who said, nobody is too bad for Jesus. Isn't that great? Nobody is too bad for Jesus. And then he went on to say, there are a lot of people who think they're too good for Jesus. I'm all fine. House of cards. But nobody's too bad. No matter where you're at, you can come to him and turn to him. And when we do, that that good news changes us to hear God say to us in Jesus, do not be afraid. I've taken care of it. And then those shepherds at the end of the story, verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. And when we come to Christ, He, he takes us from being afraid to being safe in Him. And, and when, you, when you've had your sins forgiven and you know God, don't have to be afraid of anything anymore. I mean, it's not that you don't get stressed out about things sometimes, but in the big scheme of things, God is for me. Who can be against me? And so have you come to know Christ? I just encourage you this Christmas to not only sing the songs and, you know, uh, watch the Rudolph and Frosty and the Grinch and, and go visit people and eat way too much. I mean, do all that stuff too, but, but take time to think about what's inspired this whole celebration, which is the most incredible gift ever given, God's Son given for us, so that we might hear God say, do not be afraid. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank You that You loved the world so much that You gave Your one and only Son that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. Thank You, Jesus, for doing what no one else could do, for forgiving us and cleansing us and making the way. Thank You, Holy Jesus, for dying for our sins. We love You and we thank You that You were born. We thank You that You were crucified. We thank You that You were raised. We thank You that You're in heaven now. 
and that you're coming back. And so, Lord, help us to live in light of that. And I just pray that all of us here might come to you, take a step closer from wherever we're at, whatever questions we have, whatever doubts, that each of us would take one step closer to you today. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.